0: Why is it that Canadians need to go to a U.S. court to get justice when it comes to terrorism? Hi, this is Phil Gursky, President and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting in Russell, Ontario, Canada. And you're listening to Quick Hits, short podcast about national security. It is Saturday, the 30th of July, almost the end of the month. A very muggy Eastern Ontario here. And I awoke this morning to a very interesting article that came out in the BBC entitled... Islamic State group, Canadian narrator of propaganda videos, jailed. This is an interesting case of a man called Mohammed Khalifa, who was born in Saudi Arabia, but uh, who grew up in Toronto. He emigrated to Canada. And a U.S. court has sentenced him to life in prison for his role in producing and narrating propaganda videos on behalf of the terrorist group. He's also found guilty of conspiring to provide material support to the group. And in fact, he would be, when he was captured back in, when was he captured now? He was captured back in 2019. He, he was captured by Syrian Democratic Forces. He actually threw grenades and tried to kill them and uh, shot all the, the ammunition from his AK 47 before it jammed. And then he surrendered and was handed over to the FBI. He was an important figure when it comes to ISIS propaganda. He made videos or helped make videos of beheadings and things like that. And as a consequence, the U.S. court has found that he deserves to serve life in, in, in prison. <clears throat> he joined ISIS in 2013. 2013! That's before the announcement of the caliphate of Bakr al-Baghdadi. And he was with the, the media operation until late in 2018. Of course, one of the reasons why he would have been Highly sought after for the propaganda unit is that he spoke fluent English, probably with a Canadian accent, and ergo his message could be spread uh, around the world to ISIS wannabes and ISIS followers. Note that he was found guilty in a US court and sentenced to life imprisonment. Now, now why is this important and why am I commenting on it? Because as a Canadian, uh, I'm really worried and frankly a little bit disgusted that my own legal system has been very inconsistent when it comes to sentencing convicted terrorists under Canadian law. So here's just a a bit of a a recap of some of the cases we've had here in Canada and the results therein. One of our most famous cases was the Toronto 18 back in 2005-2006, a case I worked on from pretty well day one in the summer of 2005 until the members of this cell were arrested in June, June the 2nd to be precise, 2006, They were arrested unloading uh, three tons of ammonium nitrate. They had planted three truck bombs in the Toronto area. Uh, Of the 18, I believe 11 were found guilty. And to the best of my knowledge, uh, none of them are still in jail 15 years later. So in other words, Canadian courts feel that planning to to do three truck bombs, and these truck bombs would have been humongous. They would have killed hundreds if not thousands of people, because they, the cell did know how to construct the bombs. They had working detonators. They had targets in mind. The courts have decided that that doesn't warrant a life sentence. So most of them are out. Some other cases. Uh, a few years later, we had a famous case in 2013. Again, one that I worked on. Shehabi Sagair and Narad in, in Toronto wanted to derail a VIA passenger train in the Niagara Corridor. Probably a New York to Toronto train. And they got life, which is interesting. It's rare for a Canadian court, although the defense called the sentence excessive. That's what defense does. 2019, we had uh, a court ruling in the case of Rahab Dugmash, who in 2017, I believe, attacked people at a Canadian tire, which is a hardware store in Canada. She ended up getting seven years for her attack. The defense proved or convinced the judge that, in fact, she was schizophrenic or mentally ill. And so despite the fact she got seven years, she'll probably only do 4.5 for time served. Although I will note that during a parole hearing, she did basically repeat all the ISIS nonsense that she believed in, which is a bad thing to do when you're when you're before a judge for parole. You want to convince the judge you're, that you're okay to let out, now that you're still a terrorist. Again, in 2017, we had an attack in Edmonton, Abdullah Hassan Shari. Um, he ran over a um, police officer in Edmonton, Western Canada. Injuring him badly before proceeding to get out of the out of his car and try to stab the police officer to death. Luckily, he had a vest on, and it was not his, and it wasn't killed. Then he proceeded to go down a, a very busy avenue, Jasper Avenue, in Edmonton, and run down five other people, again not killing anybody. He got 28 years. It's just a pretty pretty serious sentence. And then 2018 in in a 2016 attack in a Canadian Forces recruiting center, Ayan Lehirsi Ali knifed to uh, military again he did not kill them thankfully and he was let go he was acquitted based on some kind of allegation of mental illness what this all suggests is that canadian courts really really are very inconsistent with their understanding of the threat from terrorism and more importantly what kind of punishment terrorists deserve if in fact they are found guilty of terrorism offenses under section 83.01 of the canadian criminal code we also have an egregious case back in 2013, the so-called Victoria pressure cooker bomb case. This is where a couple, John Nuttall and Amanda Crody, converts to Islam, wanted to carry out a Boston Marathon-type attack. If you remember back in April of 2013, uh, pressure cooker bombs were put out uh, near the uh, spectator section of the Boston Marathon, killing, I believe, two and wounding 250. This was the Tsarnaev brothers, one of whom end up being killed by police. The other one, I believe, received a life, if not a death sentence. And this, these wanker couple in Victoria, on the west coast of, of Canada, British Columbia, wanted to emulate the attack on July 1st, which, of course, is Canada Day. It would have been packed with women, families, and children, and they had three pressure cookers that they had set up on the lawn. They were found guilty by jury. Full disclosure, I testified for the Crown, the prosecution in that case, And the judge decided to throw the case out based on entrapment in a stupid, stupid decision on behalf of Canadian justice. Why am I talking about this? Because as somebody who worked in counterterrorism for as long as I did, you do your best to gather the intelligence and or evidence through your investigations, whether it's through human human intelligence, such as sources or agents, whether it's through SIGINT, signals intelligence, emails, or you might get a, a federal court warrant what we call a Section 21 warrant at CSIS, the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, or a Part 6 warrant if you're with the RCMP, Royal Canadian Mounted Police. You gather all this information together, you analyze it, you put it in a package, and you're ready to go to court with the best possible case against these people. And At the end of the day, it gets thrown out on some kind of spurious, I don't know, lack of belief in the, in the seriousness of terrorism. That's a very frustrating thing when you work in counterterrorism. I know in the Karodi and Nuttall case in in, in in Victoria, uh, despite what the judge ruled on the so-called entrapment and Mr. Big Operation, they're called. Again, I worked that case from day one. I know these people's mindset better than I know my own. And I'm convinced to this day that they intended to kill and maim hundreds of people on Canada Day in 2013. And I believe that the police investigation was a good investigation. It gathered the evidence necessary to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that they were intent on carrying on a terrorist attack. And so they, the, the juries finding that they were guilty should have been upheld. They should be spending life in prison. And yet now they're walking free. And I'm sure there's, there's probably going to be a, a lawsuit at some point where they're going to allege unfair arrest or unfair treatment under by the RCMP. They're going to get some gazillion dollar buyout, rather, which we tend to do really well here in Canada, by the way, with terrorists. The fact that we have to rely on the American courts to find this ISIS wanker uh, Khalifa guilty really speaks volumes about how bad our system is up here. Now, look, I'm not a hard-ass when it comes to justice. I don't think that everybody deserves to be put in jail, throw away the key, and leave them to rot. I'm also not a big fan of capital punishment, although if other countries have it, I, I, I I don't tell other countries what they can and cannot do with their legal systems. But I do believe that Canadian justice, Canadian law has an awful lot to learn when it comes to terrorism. Now, Thankfully, we see terrorism extremely rarely here in this country. As my latest book, The Peaceable Kingdom, more on that in, the, in a few minutes, indicates we've had a terrorist attack at most every seven and a half years in this land since 1867, since Canada was created as a country. So we're not a country that experiences terrorism on a regular basis like Somalia or Nigeria or Afghanistan or Iraq or Syria or Mozambique or et cetera, et cetera. Even, even in comparison to most Western countries, we have very, very few acts of terrorism. Many have been foiled thanks to CSIS and the RCMP. But overall, terrorism is a, not even a statistical error when it comes to crimes in Canada. But it's a serious crime. Because it's not just murder, it's murder for ideological reasons, it's murder to make a point, it's murder to try and terrify people, hence the similarity between terrorism and terrify, to get people to do things they wouldn't normally do, to get people to change the system, to get people to see your way of doing things. That's why terrorism is different, and that's why terrorism needs to be punished more harshly than things like murder, first degree murder, second degree murder, conspiracy to commit murder. Yeah, I'm biased. I work in counterterrorism. I've written six books on the topic. But to me, and I think a lot of Canadians would agree with me, if you're found guilty of a, 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 a terrorism offense in Canada, the minimum should be a life sentence. You should not see the light of day for a very, very long time. Now, life in Canada tends to mean 25 years before you're released. But still, anything less than a life sentence for terrorism is inadequate. And I wish Canadian courts would get it. So thank you to my American friends. You know, I know there have been uh, problems with Amer- Canada-America relations over the past couple of years, mostly because of a former president wh- whose name shall remain uh, nameless. But I have to tip my hat to the justice system there who gets terrorism and is now given this wanker Khalifa a life sentence. Hopefully he will never see the light of day again, and hopefully he will never get back here in Canada. Already the defense is saying that, you know, uh, Canada shouldn't rely on the Americans for to do our dirty work for us to do court cases for us. In fact, uh, his lawyers say, and I quote, in Canada, Mr. Khalifa would be eligible for parole after 10 years, and it would be the responsibility of the Canadian government and citizens to both pay for his incarceration and provide for his needs upon release. Blah, 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 blah. Well, thankfully, he's not in Canada. He's in the States, and he's going to spend a long time in a cell. So thank you, United States, on behalf of the people of Canada, including myself. Anyhow, that's what I think. curious what your views are on terrorism cases, terrorism sentences here in Canada. Love to hear from you. You can reach me on email, borealisrisk at gmail.com or on Twitter at Borealis Saves. you also find me on LinkedIn and on Facebook. If you like the content and want to get more, go to the website, borealisthreatenrisk.com. Hit the subscribe button. You can get all the content, all the blogs and podcasts free of charge. There's also a link there to my latest book, The Peaceable Kingdom, A History of Terrorism in Canada from Confederation to the Present. I'll talk about all the cases that I've worked on since the early 1980s. Uh, and all the sort, all my sources are, f- are former colleagues of mine who worked for the RCMP and CSIS. So it's very much a practitioners' book on terrorism in Canada. You can get a copy on my website. I can send you a signed copy in the mail. You, if, you're, if you're into eBooks, it's also available on Amazon Kindle. Love to hear your feedback on this and other podcasts. Ideas for future ones. I'll talk to you again soon. Until then, take care.